Hello and welcome to Healthline 3. I'm Terry Simmons. Today we're talking about diabetes and heart disease with Dr. Jagan Vitapali of Willis Knighton Cardiology. We'll be taking your calls throughout the show. And as a reminder, please make sure you're in a quiet room with your TV turned down all the way before making your call. The number is 318-219-4569. Be sure to call us to get answers to your questions all about diabetes and heart disease by speaking directly with Dr. Vitapali. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Terry. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure to be here. Oh, it's our pleasure. Thank you for taking time out of your schedule. We were Absolutely. talking about how busy uh, you are, busy uh, uh, being a cardiologist and, and, and taking care of this community is so appreciated. And Thank be here you. today to talk about the tie between diabetes and heart disease is really fascinating. So let's just get right into it. What would you like us to know right from the start? So diabetes is fairly very common in uh, the common population. So diabetes is, there are two kinds of diabetes, type one and type two. Type two is uh, where you have insulin resistance where most of the people have what you call a metabolic syndrome as a precursor to diabetes. And most of them have like excess body weight and they're overweight and that can cause insulin resistance where the, the insulin that is produced in your body is not enough to drive the glucose into the tissue so that you have high amounts of blood sugar in the bloodstream that is toxic to the blood vessel wall and cause lots of complications. The same thing even with type 1 diabetes, especially if it's not uh, well controlled, that can cause all these kind of complications. So we'll be talking about, you know, all the complications that um, diabetes can cause and what you all need to be looking out for and the lifestyle changes or any other questions all you all have, you're welcome to call us and I'll be happy to answer all of them for you. No, definitely. Love, our viewers love to call in and they have such great questions that lead into something else that everyone is wondering about. So right. definitely <coughs> call in if you have a question. Are there certain signs and symptoms that are particular to um, heart disease in a, a diabetic patient? So. Diabetes, especially if it's poorly controlled, can um, affect your nervous system too, so they can have neuropathy. And uh, just like they, they don't have much feeling, especially towards the, uh, in, in your feet or fingers, this is called peripheral neuropathy. The same neuropathy can affect different nerves in your body. And people with heart attack tend to have like you know, chest tightness, chest discomfort, uh, chest pain, if you want to say. Uh, but in people with diabetes, sometimes you know these nerves are affected so that you know you wouldn't have this typical chest pain. You could have very uh, non-specific symptoms like you know severe shortness of breath that is sudden onset, and uh, they can have some gastrointestinal side effects like you know severe nausea, vomiting, uh, sweating. Uh, and stuff like that. So you need to be aware that this could be a sign of heart attack in people with diabetes. Uh, so are these I, specific to people with diabetes? They're not very specific, but these are some things that can mimic, like or, or that can uh, be a sign of heart attack in people. Like you know, you don't necessarily have to have chest pain. Sometimes people ignore these are some. Uh, these symptoms have some uh, gastrointestinal side effects like, you know, stomach bug or something and then uh, shortness of breath for, you know, they inhale some kind of vapors while they're cleaning the floor or something and then they just ignore it and then the next thing they know is that they'll end up in heart failure with congestive heart failure because a big part of their heart muscle is dead from that heart attack and there's nothing you could do because once some part of the heart muscle is dead, things that are dead are dead. You can't bring them back to life. So. In that situation, what happens is you'll end up having a weak heart function that can cause congestive heart failure and uh, the lifespan of that individual will be dramatically reduced and then the quality of life goes down significantly. So to really know exactly what 
can mimic a heart attack, you know, they need to be aware of all the symptoms so that they can get to the hospital on time and get required care so that uh, your heart function will remain the same. Because if you go to the hospital on time and let us open up that blocked artery, which is causing the heart attack, then the chance of uh, the heart muscle dying is very less so that your heart function will remain normal and they'll, they'll be able to enjoy a normal quality of life and then the lifespan is not reduced and they'll be like you know a normal lifespan like any other healthy individual if they take care of their diabetes well. So the faster they can get to it the better. Exactly so the faster is better. Time is muscle that's what we call it so mm -hmm. uh, yeah the more the more time you wait the more muscle you lose so you know if you lose more muscle the more heart function is down and then you have worse complications. The and same thing even with the people, they can have strokes too, but have symptoms of stroke, you know, you have to just rush to the hospital so that they, we can treat it, give clot busters if needed, or, you know, some of the treatments that we can do to reduce or minimize the complications of stroke. You know, people with diabetes can have the same thing that causes heart attacks can cause strokes too, just like deposition of cholesterol and all the fatty tissue within the blood vessel wall. Um, can cause all these problems. So these are symptoms, when you have diabetes, it, it causes these symptoms anyway. This is what's having clogging. Is that a symptom? Yeah, people with poorly controlled diabetes, yeah. as I was saying, you know, they can have uh, high blood sugar levels. Mm -hmm. And uh, these high blood sugars are toxic to a lining in your blood vessel wall. It's called endothelium. And then we have high blood sugar levels that are toxic to the endothelium that's damaged. And then once there is damage to this lining, then you'll have deposits of fat that get accumulated in these areas which are damaged. And then over time, more and more cholesterol or fat gets deposited and then it encroaches into the lumen. And once it encroaches into the lumen of the blood vessel, then if this blood vessel is supplying some vital organs like the heart, brain, your legs, then you start losing blood flow to these organs and then their function will be compromised and you know they may end up having these heart attacks or strokes or some people can have wounds in their legs if they have blockages in their legs and then if the wounds don't heal the infection gets to the bone and then once it gets to the bone it's extremely hard to treat it especially if you don't have enough blood flow to that leg and then you'll end up losing the leg you know they'll end up having amputations and stuff like that so with good blood pressure control and timely help when you have all these complications, will save uh, a lot of pain and agony for these people. Do you find people wait a little oh, yeah, too long when they start having the symptoms? Absolutely, we see that quite quite often. You know, it's not very uncommon. You know, they, we see a lot of times where people kind of ignore these symptoms or something else, and then they come in and you know, and a lot of times, you know. They tend to smoke also sometimes, which is a very, very bad combination. Smoking is also toxic to this endothelium. And same thing uh, with the diabetes. So that's a very fatal combination, if you will. And uh, they kind of tend to ignore the symptoms and then then don't, if, they, if you don't take care of these early signs, you know, some wounds that are not healing, if, especially if you have diabetes, uh, and if you continue to smoke, the wounds won't heal, and then slowly it can get worse, and if you wait too long, then that's the time there's nothing much that can be done other than just to do amputation, or sometimes, you know, you'll end up losing a big chunk of your heart muscle. Mm with a heart attack and then you'll have bad complications later on. Yeah, let's talk about smoking for a second. Right. Because we Absolutely. hear about the smoking, that's one the one that comes up all the time. We talk about any health, <coughs> you know, any, any mm -hmm. condition and um, smoking. What is it about smoking that, that is so toxic to the tissues? 
So smoking can affect your body in multiple ways. You know, one of them is the, the, the tar that you get from the cigarette smoke is carcinogenic. On top of that, the, uh, the nicotine and the cigarette smoke also has some chemicals that can, that are toxic to the endothelium, as I said, you know. So people say like, you know, somebody comes in, you know, they get a stress test or something, everything is normal, everything is fine, and they continue to smoke. Um, but, you know, you, you wouldn't find anything wrong on a stress test or they wouldn't even have symptoms of chest pain if there is a little bit of accumulation of fat in your blood vessel unless it gets to like 70 percent block you wouldn't have any symptoms so like 30 40 percent blockage in any blood vessel say like blood vessel in your heart it's like say it's 10 percent or 20 percent blocked and uh, you continue to smoke and this smoke is toxic to the endothelium which is the lining of the blood vessel that i just talked about and if once it causes some damage to that lining, we call that rupture, we call that plaque rupture, where it ruptures, once that ruptures, everything underneath that, all the fat and everything underneath that endothelium is, um, is pro-coagulant, meaning that it attracts all the clotting factors. Then your body thinks you're bleeding somewhere because if there is damage to the blood vessel wall, that means you're bleeding and you, your body tends to stop the bleeding by clotting. So you have uh, damage to the endothelium within that blood vessel, and then it'll attract a clot. Once the clot forms, it kind of propagates, and then it completely blocks out that artery. When, it, when you have 100% blocked off artery, that's when you have a major heart attack. So people who have completely normal, no symptoms, you know, even if they're physically able to do a lot of stuff, they may think they're healthy, but you know, if you continue to smoke, these kind of stuff can happen that can lead to, you know, dramatic complications like ending up having a heart attack and they might be wondering you know I've been doing great so far you know didn't have any problems I used to run like you know two three miles of course they won't be able to do it because you know their lungs are damaged too if you continue to smoke a long time but these are some of the uh, things that can happen if you continue to smoke uh, number one cancer risk risk of lung cancer risk of kidney cancer risk of bladder cancer uh, they're all high with smoking and then you have uh, what you call COPD which is damage to the lungs you know uh, because smoke of course is toxic to the lungs it can cause bronchitis emphysema and uh, that that in turn can cause some heart problems too because if you have bad lung disease from smoking that can increase the blood uh, the blood pressure in your lungs we call that pulmonary hypertension and it can put extra load on the heart and that can cause heart failure too and then on top of that it can affect your blood vessels that can cause heart attacks and strokes and loss of legs. We see that a lot. People who smoke, they more likely than not, if they're smoking for more than 20, 30 years, they'll have some kind of blockage, some degree of blockage in their legs, and then they'll end up having complications. Right. So I strongly advise that, you know, quit smoking. Uh, if you're trying to quit, don't cut down because cutting down never works because you always find reason to go back to what you've been smoking before. So way to do is cold turkey, put the cigarettes down and don't go back to it. Tell everybody that you're quitting smoking and put the cigarettes down and never go back to it. <coughs> and I've read before where as, as soon as you stop smoking, your body starts improving and get better. Is that true? Well, yeah. Well, in the beginning, you might just feel like all the, the mood Oh, will yes. be, you know, you'll have a lot of ups and downs and you'll have the urge to go back to smoking. Uh, there's also weight gain, constipation. These are all temporary side effects, but none of these complications would kill you. 
like <laughs> smoking. Smoking would kill you, but if you stop it, then none of these withdrawals would kill you. So in the beginning, maybe for a month or two, you may have all these things, but after, after a couple of months, you know, if you're strong, it's all of these will fade away and you'll start uh, noticing a big difference in your breathing. I would say probably in a, you know, depending on how long you smoked before, probably in a year, you would see a huge difference in how you're breathing and your exercise capacity increases and the risk of cancer goes down to almost pre-smoking levels after like say 10 years. Risk of heart disease goes down to pre-smoking levels say like maybe two to three years after you stop smoking. So that's really good news to someone who says, well, I've been smoking all my life, the damage is done, I'm just going to keep smoking. No, no, yeah, if, if, if it'll continue to <coughs> damage, it can get exponential over time, mm -hmm. but if you stop smoking, there's always hope that, you know, you could, it'll, it'll come back. More likely than not, it'll be back to the pre-smoking levels, you mm -hmm. know, the risk, and the way you feel, you feel much better. Right. right. So let's go back to diabetes. Are there other organ systems that are <coughs> excuse me there's my cough or my smoke <coughs> not a smoker i promise um, but are there other systems that are affected by diabetes yeah as i said you know of course the, your vascular system which supplies blood flow to different vital organs will be affected with diabetes especially if it's poorly controlled and uh, it can affect your kidneys because it can, it can cause um, what you call nephrotic syndrome or kidney failure bec because it can damage the small blood vessels in your kidneys that can cause kidney failure and uh, it's, it's end up losing protein in your kidneys too, uh, if especially if it's not well controlled. Um, and then it can cause heart failure because, you know, diabetes itself is associated with, even if you don't find blockages in your heart arteries, sometimes we call that uh, small vessel disease where you, your diabetes affects really, really tiny blood vessels that you don't see on an angiogram. And uh, these, these can cause weakening of the heart function because it's not getting enough blood supply. And it can cause heart failure. So diabetes can cause heart failure apart from heart attacks and strokes and it can cause kidney failure and also uh, uh, wounds to the legs and neuropathy because if you have neuropathy you wouldn't feel the the pain or pressure at some pressure points on your in your feet when you walk so you'll put repeated pressure on the same place and then you'll end up having a wound in that area and then if you don't take care of the the wound then that won't heal and that'll end up you know propagating and getting to the bone and then amputations and stuff if you don't if there is a problem with the blood flow but uh, yeah it can affect the nervous system heart uh, kidneys and multiple different organs. Yeah, it's so, so that's why you had to be really, really uh, strict about blood pressure, uh, blood sugar control, and even blood pressure should be strictly controlled in people with diabetes. In a normal person, blood pressure goal is less than 140 or 90 millimeter mercury, but in people with diabetes, higher blood pressure is associated with all this end organ damage, which is like heart failure, you know, kidney failure, stroke. So that's why you need to get your blood pressure to less than 130, the top number and uh, less than 90, the bottom number. Right. It's so different when you're right. a diabetic patient to exactly. really pay attention to those numbers. Exactly, <laughs> so, and also like, you know, processed sugars are something that you gotta be really, really um, careful about because the instant spike, because your body doesn't need a lot of enzymes to break down these sugars, the processed sugars, you know, just like sugar, you just 
put it in and then it absorbs into your body right away. So uh, that's not good because that high sugar spike in your bloodstream is what causes this endothelial dysfunction. So even if your blood sugar is overall well controlled, every now and then you consume these, if it's too often especially, and if you consume these uh, processed sugars, which can cause like a sugar rush in your body, it's not good. And that could be as simple as a couple of donut holes or just a, a <laughs> right, little every bit now and then, you know, of the candy bar. Enjoy your life too. So <laughs> yeah, that's right. Maybe, maybe every now and then it's okay, but uh, you should not make it like just a... Just make a habit of it. Right. right. Mm -hmm. And so when we talk about circulation, particularly in the legs, how does having diabetes affect the circulation in the legs? Yeah, so the same process that I talked to you about, uh, high blood sugars can... Um, interfere with the endothelium, which is the lining of the blood vessel wall, which is the innermost lining that keeps the blood flowing. Uh, it has a lot of chemicals that it secretes that will prevent clotting within the blood vessel wall, within the blood vessel. So over time, uh, there is damage to this endothelium because uh, of, you know, high sugar content. So once you have this damage to this endothelial lining, then you'll have deposits of uh, cholesterol and atherosclerosis in these areas, and that can cause uh, reduced blood flow in your legs. And then the same thing, neuropathy, especially poorly controlled diabetics can have neuropathy, uh, which can affect their sensory system in, your, in, in the legs, and then uh, they can start having wounds in their legs, uh, and then the wounds can get worse, and then, you know, hard to heal because there's not enough blood flow going down there uh, because blood carries all the essential things to heal and once you have reduced blood flow then that can get worse infection gets worse and you need the blood flow to fight an infection and then once it dies we call it gangrene of the legs and then they, they, they you know you'll end up losing the leg mm -hmm. so uh, if you come to the doctor on time with all these things, then we can check for any issues with the blood flow, and then if there's a problem with the blood flow, before it turns out to be a gangrene, we could open the blood flow that'll give it a better chance of healing in, of the wounds, then if we wait until it turns black and gangrene, then it's all done at that point in time. Uh, but even at that time, even if they do the amputation, sometimes the amputation site won't heal, and then they may have to get it higher and higher if you don't have enough blood flow. So establishing a good blood flow um, to those wounded parts of the legs is vital to keep the you know extremities intact. Yeah, I would think that you, you have a wound, it's treated, but if you don't have circulation there to help it heal, it's just not going right. to heal, it's, it's, right? It's going to get worse yeah. and you know, you'll end up having more problems. Mm -hmm. Are there visuals, the coloration or discoloration? I know that you should obviously visually examine your feet if exactly. you have the numbness because if you can't feel a wound at least you can see it mm -hmm. and do something about it. Are there other things to look for in the legs? Is there coloration or stripes? Yeah, or? Of course you know, start with you have to really as you were mentioning you know you have to check your legs and make sure you're not forming any like you know major calluses and stuff that right. can eventually erode and cause wounds and visually inspect for any kind of wounds and other other things that you need to look for that'll tell you there's compromised blood flow is uh, uh, loss of hair on your legs oh. and pain you know sometimes the blockages are bad then you may have to keep your legs dangling down the bed for the pain to relieve because you're getting help from gravity to get the blood flow down the leg and if you're laying down on a bed with your feet up then you'll have more pain in the leg and so you know you have to put it down sometimes you know just discoloration of the leg just pale color is something you know that can signify uh, lack of blood supply and then so if you 
press on the leg and release it, you it's we call that capillary refill, where you know it takes time. Usually, it should fill if you press on the leg, it, it forms like a pale spot, and if you lay it off, then the color comes back. So that's the they'll tell you how good the blood supply is. So if it takes longer, more than like four or five seconds, that means you know your blood supply is poor. Mm. Um, so these are some of the things, you know. Sometimes you can even lose nails because there's not enough blood supply there. So you'll start, you know, the nail nail uh, structure integrity will be lost and then you'll end up losing the nails and cracked nails and stuff like that too. Yeah. So what are some of the treatments for heart and vascular conditions due to diabetes? So of course, you know, um, lifestyle changes go a long way. I strongly believe prevention is better than cure. Once things are done, it's hard uh, to get back to normal because you depend on all these other uh, sustaining measures, if you will, to maintain a normal function of any vital organ. So prevention is very, very important. So people with diabetes, or in fact any anybody uh, with risk of heart disease, they need to have some dietary changes like, you know, less carbs, especially with people with diabetes, you know, sugars, they need to cut down on blood, uh, on sugars for sure. Uh, low in carbs, medium fat, high protein is what I recommend to all my patients. Um, and uh, exercise, and at least moderate intensity exercise, you know. Um, it, does, you know it doesn't have to be intense exercise, just 40 minutes each day. We, I call it rule of four, 40 minutes each day, four days a week. So oh. that's the minimum. That's recommended by the American Heart Association. So 40 minutes each day, at least four days a week of at least moderate intensity workout. It doesn't have to be very intense. You know, it could just be walking around your block, you know, or walking your dog, or just brisk walking that can get your heart rate up. Just spend like 40 minutes each day, four days a week. And uh, that's minimum. If you, want, if you can do more, that's even better. So because, you know, if you do exercise also, I would, I would encourage doing some kind of weights also, people with diabetes, because if you build muscle, uh, muscle is a good consumer of blood sugar. It's easy for the insulin to drive blood sugar into the muscle than any other tissue in the body. So if you lose muscle mass, then uh, it's hard to control your blood sugar. So if you build a muscle, then it becomes a little easier. The insulin resistance goes down. So high protein diet, and at least some weights, strength training, that's highly recommended in people with diabetes because that can really build your muscle mass and uh, it decreases, uh, decreases all the complications that are associated with high blood sugars. So uh, exercise, as I said, diet, and when I say low carb diet, you know, all the bread, pasta, potatoes, chips, fries, all the good stuff that <laughs> tastes good, you know? So you need to cut down on all that. You know, I'm not saying you, you, it's hard to completely cut down on the carbs, but just cut down because carbs are the immediate energy that you need. So those are the calories that you put in. So you cannot completely hold off on putting in any calories because you need them to function. So you, you should not put any more than what you're spending because if you put in any more than what you're spending, all of that will be converted to like triglycerides and fat and you get deposits of the fat around your belly and that can cause insulin resistance, risk of diabetes or you know, worsen complications. So um, cut down on the carbs and cut down on desert sweets, all the sugars, and then medium fat, like dairy products are good, you know, like milk, cheese, those are all good. They'll keep your hunger down, and they're also, you know, they're not that bad. So moderate fat and high protein diet, because you need your muscle to maintain, you know, like uh, to stay strong and do what you need yeah. to do. 
because losing muscle mass is probably the worst thing that can happen in people with diabetes. So high protein diet, you know, meat is a good source of protein, but definitely cut down on red meat like beef and pork because mm -hmm. those can be carcinogenic also and also atherogenic, you know, because that can cause all the problems that we talked about. So cut down on red meat like beef and pork and white meat is good like chicken, fish, turkey. Um, egg whites are good, not the yellow, but egg whites. You can go to a grocery store and buy egg white cartons and then make omelets or whatever you want to do with the egg whites. Okay. And then plant-based diet is always good, like, you know, greens, spinach, Definitely. beans, okra. Those are all good source of, you know, vitamins and minerals. That and are there's good for protein and vegetables, too. Yeah, there's, there's protein, protein and vegetables, too. too. So yeah. these diet changes, exercise changes, definitely. And then no smoking, uh -huh. of course, you know. Okay, <laughs> we have a caller for you, actually. Okay. Hi, Billy, thank you for calling. What's your question? The question is, um, well, I'm paralyzed. Okay. Uh, so I can't walk. But I roll, you know, I roll myself pretty much four or five hours a day. Now, I've gotten off the opiates that the uh, VA has given me. And, you know, I try to eat right and everything, but still yet, I cannot seem to get my cholesterol level lowered, even at uh, 40 milligrams of Lipitor every day. <laughs> yeah, the cholesterol, 40 milligrams of Lipitor is still a medium dose. You know, we could go up on it to like 80 milligrams. You know, 80 milligrams of Lipitor could be taken, and there are more... Uh, options that can be uh, done to get your uh, cholesterol under control. There's another medication called Zetia that can be added to get your cholesterol down and uh, even if it's not controlled at that point there are other medications which are injectables like uh, we call that Repata, Lecvio. These are more recent injectable cholesterol lowering medications which are very very efficient and also they are known to decrease the risk of heart attacks and strokes um, in individuals with high cholesterol. So those are some of the options. You may have to talk to your doctor uh, about all these options to get the cholesterol under control because definitely they could go up on your Lipitor dose or add medication like Zetia or use injectable forms. You know, these are not everyday injectables, but it's something that you take it like once every three months in the case of Lecvio or every two weeks in case of Repata. So these are very, very efficient in getting your cholesterol down. So these are some of the options you may want to talk to your doctor about. I just I just kind of wonder, you know, my, my doctor is a veteran, you know, he's a, he's a veteran doctor that <laughs> works at the VA. Yeah. And I just wonder why, I just wonder why he hadn't, um, you know, done, you know, uh, uh, suggested anything different or something. Yeah, I'm not sure how, what your cholesterol levels are. Maybe your doctor might be thinking that's well controlled or they, I'm not they, really sure. They, 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 they tell me it's really sky high. Okay. And I, I quit, I, well I ain't quit eating bread or rice, but I mean, you know, not, you know, I, I, I eat, um, you know, the uh, brown rice now, wild rice instead of the white rice, yeah. and you know, I try, I try to eat, you know, wheat bread, you know, like, but you know. <laughs> <laughs> 
Right. I mean, I yeah, the diet, definitely and the diet changes are good, whatever you're doing, but at the same time, your cholesterol could be a lot to do not with... not coming down. Uh, yeah, with your genetic makeup and also your other, like, you know, your situation of your liver because the liver processes a lot of these uh, nutrients that you put in and it can make cholesterol and break down cholesterol, all that. So it may not be entirely dependent on what you're eating, and your lifestyle because you know there are some folks out there where they do everything right but their cholesterol is still high and we call that familial hypercholesterolemia as I said you know just high um, just genetic makeup could be part of that so don't get disappointed there are medications out there available talk to your doctor and uh, talk to him, him or her about your concerns and then you know they should be able to help you out. Yeah, and Billy just and you so just just keep talking. And exactly, Billy just right. keep talking yeah, to your doctor. Any concerns you have, asking, just yeah. just talk because don't keep it to yourself. Yeah. Thank you so much, All Billy. Right. I hope you feel better soon. All right. Good luck, Billy. And so, is there a way to? We have about nine, just about a minute and a half left. Is there okay. a quick way? Is there? Is it possible to reverse heart disease or slow the progression once it starts? Uh, yeah, well, not th it's not very, very efficient in reversing, but so that's why I was saying always prevention is the best right. thing to do uh, before things get too bad. But even after you have all these other complications, you know, maintaining a good lifestyle and uh, taking the medications and get getting your cholesterol under control and getting your blood sugar A1C under control is very, very important. But because I've seen uh, in my practice that, you know, somebody who are really strict with all these, you know, they stop smoking and take all the medications regularly. And I've seen blockages that have improved, not to a dramatic extent, but to a significant extent that I feel that it could be from, you know, the lifestyle changes. So it can be done, but of course, you know, if you do all these things, you definitely will reduce the risk of heart attacks for sure, or strokes, because you reduce the risk of these plaque ruptures and all that. Even if you have stable blockage with well-controlled symptoms, and if you're taking all these other uh, precautions, uh, the risk of bad things happening is extremely low. Yes. So and once again, too, so appreciate Billy calling because once again, that's a great point. You suggest just keep talking to your doctor, keep right. bringing it up, keep communicating yeah. because you want to know what uh -huh. we're hearing. All right, thank yeah. you so much for being here. We thank really you, appreciate Terry. it. And thank you for watching Healthline 3. Right, we'll you. see you next time. Enjoy your afternoon.